Can't really heard what Jeremy says because I got my two Stanley Cup rings plugged in my ear. It's the 39th edition of the Can't Hear What Jeremy Says podcast sponsored by Total Beverage. And in this very merry episode, Avalanche insider Adrian Dater welcomes in the one, the only, Elliot Friedman to discuss life in the realm of hockey media and just what that entails. So let's not keep you all waiting any longer. Without further ado, here's your host, Adrian Dater. And welcome in to the latest edition of Can Hear What Jeremy Says, the Colorado Avalanche podcast brought to you by Total Beverage. As always, two locations, Thornton and Westminster. Check out their holiday gift guide right now. Boy, folks, have we got a special one for you here today. Uh, you Denver, Colorado, and Avalanche fans, and anybody else listening via the interweb right now is in for a special treat. I am going to bring out a very big fish in the hockey business uh, the hockey media world especially, but both sides of that hockey business. Uh, my guest today is Elliot Friedman, the one and only uh, Frege, H-I-N-I-C on Twitter, uh, the author of 31 Thoughts on uh, Sportsnet.ca, a, a panelist on Hockey Night in Canada, CBC's Hockey Night in Canada, uh, Roger Sportsnet staffer, Elliot Friedman, Elliot, my man, my friend from many years now, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for coming on to this my humble little podcast here in Denver, Colorado. How are you doing, Ben? It is my pleasure. I am happy to do it, Adrian. You know, I'm sure you get asked a lot by people to come on, and that's one of my first questions in a sense maybe is I hate saying no to people. I'll go on most podcasts, people who ask me, and that can be just the most – ridiculous small-time podcast sometimes do you draw a line somewhere though you have to right you're a bigger name everybody wants you to come on probably because you're so damn good at it for one thing but yeah do you have to draw a line with people or will you go on almost any podcast if people ask you you know what adrian i don't like to say no i really don't uh especially with a lot of the podcasts that i get um invited on are smaller ones or newer people or people trying to break into the business. And, and I was that person once. Right. So I really don't like to say no, because I know what it's like to be starting out and reaching out and hoping you can get a, a great guest. And, um, and then, you know, they say no, but it's just impossible because you can't accept every request. And I think right, right now also in the internet aged Adrian, like, you know, yep. everything you say gets turned into a tweet or a piece yep. of news or something like that. And I just uh, think that you can be overexposed. People can just hear me too much. <laughs> I worry about that at Sportsnet, that I'm on Sportsnet too much. And I would like to – so I'm very cautious of that. Right. No, I hear you. You know, there's only so many hours in the day, and you can't – you know, if you say, what, you know, yes – all the time you're you're always going to be saying yes i uh i get it i know i and yet yeah i hate it too like i hate the very few times i'll say no it's like well yeah i just can't fit it in man i'm sorry you know or you know they want you to come on for like 45 minutes or something um which <laughs> they want you to come on that but this podcast for that long but but we'll see yeah i know you're such a nice guy though and um, I'm glad you at least have a guilty conscience if you have to say no. So that's that's good. I, uh, I I'm the same way. Uh, guilt is guilt is my middle name. Uh, 
Elliot, there's a lot I want to talk about in, in this podcast, especially how we do our jobs. I know that, and this is a, you know, it kind of ties in a little bit to my first question. You know, I, I do have a lot of young people who who still ask me about the business. How do you get into the hockey business? How do I be a writer? I know you probably get 10 times that question, too. Uh, not just people asking to come on your podcast. So, you know, so I know we have a lot of people listening. So if they can't, if you can't come on their podcast and I can't always come on theirs or give them all the worldly advice that they may want or need, you know, um, maybe we can talk more about how we do our jobs and, and how we got here. You got to, to where you are, uh, especially not about me, but, uh, and, and just talk about the business in 2020. Um, and, but, uh, sure. Well, but, the one thing Adrian, I tell a lot of people now is that for lack of a better term, it's actually easier for people to get started now than when you and I were younger. It's, it's um, true. Yeah. Cause, cause you know, when we were starting out, Adrian, you know, we had to hope that somebody hired us yep. as somebody with a platform. And now, you know, people can create platforms between right. YouTube and podcasting and blogging and Instagram and, um, you know, Twitter, um, TikTok now is obviously huge. Um, none of these things existed on a large basis like now when we were starting out in the business. So I actually tell people that in, in some ways the path is easier because you have an opportunity to create your name. Some before somebody had to be willing to create you or let you create yourself on their platform. Now you can create yourself in your voice on these platforms and you have the power. Like I look at like, like uh, obviously uh, Jake Paul's getting a lot of attention because of the boxing uh, last week or a couple of weeks ago. But this is a guy who came from nowhere and has turned himself into a superstar. I yep. read about YouTube feuds now, and I have no idea who these people are, but <laughs> yeah, I recognize either. that they've got 5.5 million YouTube followers yeah, and, and what that means. So I, I tell people, Money. that's what you got to do. You got to be an expert at all these things. Yep. I know it's, it's true. We had to sort of get that first, uh, you know, entry into the door by someone on a major platform back in our day. You know, uh, um, I'm 55, you know, I started out in the eighties in this business, mm -hmm. <laughs> which just seems preposterously ancient now, but, uh, you know, but here's the problem, of course, Elliot. Yeah. It's easier to, the point of entry is easier uh, the barriers to entry are not as much as they used to be. The problem right. with that, of course, is how do you stand out among a sea of people now as opposed to, you know, getting your foot in the door. You may have only had to be – once that happened, you you were noticed pretty much right away. Now it's, all right, so everybody can be a sports writer, but how do you stand out? How do you get paid for it? That's the other question. Um, a lot of people get it through – uh, just being outrageous and saying really hot takes and stuff and, and being goofy on online. Uh, that's not how, you know, we had to do it. I, it's not how I wanted to do it or you want to do it probably. But I guess uh, before we, you know, that's a bit of a rabbit hole. But, I mean, do you feel like you have to be a hot take artist and just somebody who's like just, hey, outrageous, you know, big, you know, this you talk like this all the time and you're, you know, you just, 
Or do you have to be, you know, steady, knowledgeable newsman who gets things, newswoman who breaks news and does a good job? I mean, what do you think is the... (laughs) In other words, do you think it's a, a slippery slope that we've created in the sense that, you know, it doesn't matter if... To make it, quote-unquote, in the business now might mean something different than when we first came into into the business ourselves. Does that make any sense? Uh, well, the, the one thing I always say is if everybody on Earth was like me, it would be boring as hell. <laughs> yeah, me too. So no, I, I think you... there's room for all kinds. If The no. one thing I really believe is that you can't be a phony. Like I, I really do believe people can smell phoniness from a mile away. Yeah. And like Stephen A. Smith, I could never do what that guy does. And right, at the beginning, either. at the beginning, I didn't like it, but yep. eventually I got to realize, you know, I respect this. Yeah, like, me too. I think, he, I, I think he's good at it. Me too. I think he's funny. Like I don't think, and, and the thing about him is, I don't think he's mean. I think he's just. Like no. a happy guy that's found a role and yep. he's great at the role and he just loves it. And, um, yep. I, you know, I, I got, but, but the thing is like, that's him, right? Like when it, when it comes across, like whenever the Cowboys lose and he does his dance on Twitter <laughs> and stuff like that, like, yeah, yeah. like to me, it's like, that's him. And Don Cherry, uh, like it or not, that was him. And yep. he was good at it because that was him. Yeah. And, you know, like, I, I think the thing is, if you're fake, like, I couldn't do what Stephen A. Smith did. I, I, I can't. Right. I, that's not me. Yeah. But what I think the, it shows is, is that it's like Stephen A., he works at it. Like, these YouTubers yeah. who are good at it, I may not know yeah. what the hell they're doing, but you can tell they work at it. They're creative. Yeah. Like, I've read a lot about the Paul brothers, and I know they yeah. don't always get along very well. Those guys put a lot of effort into their craft, whether you like it or not. And that, I think, is the key thing I always tell people is whether you're a reporter like me or you're an entertainer like Stephen A. or the Paul brothers, um, uh, you um, or um, I was reading about one of them today. Uh, what's her name? Um, hold on one sec. Oh, Tana Mongeau. Hannah Monjo is, is her never heard, never heard of her. Well, she's a big time YouTuber. She's got okay. uh, a five, like about like five and a half million followers. And you know what it is? It's they 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 put in the work, Adrian. They grind. Yeah, they grind. And that's what I that's what I always tell people. Like, you know, like if you want to be successful in our business, it's not nine to five. It's, 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 it's consuming. It's all consuming. I know. You have to want right. to be all great at it. You have to right. want to consume yourself with it. Well, that's, that's so true. And before we get into that, but, but Stephen A. Smith, by the way, I, I knew him a little bit in the early nineties when he covered, uh, when he was a sports writer for the Philadelphia Inquirer, just to cover the NBA. I think I was, I covered a couple NBA games back in those days. I'm uh, just filling in, you know, nuggets and, uh, he couldn't have been any different than he is on TV. He was he was actually painfully shy. He didn't say boo in the press room to anybody. Um, but he was a nice guy. I always and I always liked him as a writer. And and I like I'm, I echo what you say. Like I didn't. I probably would have hated him earlier. And I probably did hate him in the early days. What he did now is when I do watch him, I'm actually entertained for the most part. 
and he does know his stuff. Like he's and he's very very good on TV. I mean, he's very inter- he's very good vocabulary, very verbose. I mean, to be able to talk off the cuff like that off the top of your head is a talent that I know I'll never have. And anytime I've tried to do TV at all, uh, I just come away shaking my head saying, boy, I really misjudged how tough that job is. Like I used to be one of those snobby print guys probably a little too much back in the day. Like, oh, you know, those stupid, those TV guys, you know, they <laughs> what a bunch of overpaid stiffs. And then every time I tried to do it, it's like, oh, my God, that is a different talent that I'll never have. Um, so, um, Elliot, you sort of bridged both worlds. And that's why before we get into more of my personal questions on Elliot Friedman and the career of Elliot Friedman, uh, let's touch a little bit on the news of the day. Uh, this is a hockey podcast, of course. And uh, um, so, yeah, we have a season. We have a we have a schedule coming out tomorrow. We have 56 games. We have. We have hockey coming, hopefully. Knock on wood, uh, mm-hmm. unless anything falls through here. Uh, still, still some more pieces to put in the puzzle here about uh, things. But uh, this was a story that broke over the weekend, and this this leads into my first kind of question about you. In a sense, uh, you, you know, I was on this story. A lot of people are on this story. I, I'd like to think I broke a couple little things along the way. You broke the big enchilada story of the deal happening. I believe you were the first on Twitter to say that there's a tentative deal. Um, first of all, the I was among the camp that was starting to grow a little bit pessimistic about things. Maybe there's going to be a delay. Um, boy, things are looking a little gloomy. And all of a sudden, over the weekend, you come out with a tweet and say, there's a deal. Uh, tell me what you think happened that made this deal come across so quickly when some of us were starting to lose a little bit of a hope of it starting on January 13th? What happened there? Well, I really believed like you did, Adrian, that they were starting to run out of time and I didn't know if they were going to be able to make it. And I, I think what happened was they were concerned because it's the holidays, right? And even though it's the unusual holidays and we can't see each other like normal, everything slows down. Yeah. And I think they were really worried if they let it get into this week and they and they let it go into the holidays, it would knock away any chance of being ready to go on the 13th at all. So yeah. I, I think there was, uh, I don't know if sense of desperation is the right word, but there was a determination that they couldn't let it go any longer. And mm-hmm. I think that's basically the way it worked was we, we have to sort this out and we have to get this done because if we wait any longer, we're going to get into the holidays, and we're not going to have any chance of starting on the 13th. So I believe that's what happened. Hmm. Yeah, and yet, you know, we were still we were all worried about Canada, the, where they're going to play, the Canadian teams, and I know that's still not official unless you know something different at this hour. Uh, no, what, you're not going to be able to what, – what's that? Sorry, they – like, you're not playing the Canadian teams this year, no. No, we're not, but, you know, we were still wondering if they're going to be playing in the States or not, I guess, you know. No, uh, oh, that, that's the absolute worst-case scenario, and yeah. uh, I don't, like, I think if the worst comes to worst in Canada, they're going to be in a hub in Canada, potentially yeah. Edmonton. That's okay. it, I think. Yeah, well, that makes sense. Boy, that's still going to be a terrible thing for, you know, Canadian teams and players if they have to stay in that bubble for so long, but anyway, that's... 
Hey, they did it before. <laughs> I was in Edmonton for 50, 51 days this summer, so. Um, yeah, I don't think it'll be anything quite like that. It'll be more of a yeah. hub than a bubble. But Roving in and out, baby. Yeah, the players yeah. made it very yeah. clear they didn't want that experience again. Right. No, of course not. But uh, you know as well as I do, it seems like, you know, when – People like Gary Bettman and, and Bill Daly and others allude to the fact that they, you know, they think they'll work it out. They're probably going to work that out. I, I have optimism. I think that, you know, they'll they'll be playing in different arenas in Canada. But uh, but let's let that develop, I guess, for uh, for the time. Now, when you broke this story, Elliot, um, I've noticed I've I've done some homework on you and how you you tweet and stuff, and like, okay. you are not somebody who I've noticed writes a lot of. I would call them, you know, progression rumors as things develop. You don't, you don't throw many rumors out there. You don't write a lot of tweets saying, "Hey, I'm hearing this, I'm hearing that." You sort of come out of nowhere, it seems like, um, and just drop a bomb when it's ready. It and I and I'm wondering if that's a style that you've you've always had, where you you sort of let the story become final before you will publish anything or um is that something you've had to work at maybe because a lot of writers do this and a lot of media people do this where they just sort of spit out everything that's they're hearing off the top of their head and they have you know 400 tweets in a day you don't tweet all that much but when you do it's it's always right on the money and it's usually often a big story is that your style just something you've sort of had to work at I, that's the way I prefer it. I think it's kind of like, well, Adrian, you know, as you know, the worst thing is to be wrong, right? Well, yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. so you, you don't want to be wrong. So <laughs> usually I, I try not to guess. I think yeah. there's a couple things there. When I, when, a lot of times when I do report something, I, I want people to believe it. I want people to see it being meaningful. I think the less bullets you fire, um, you know, the more meaningful it is. And so I am a big believer in that. I like to be understated. I don't like to write capital letters breaking or my scoop mm-hmm. or anything like that. I don't like it. Mm-hmm. I think also you have to be very careful on Twitter because things can be taken out of context. So if I have something that's more of a rumor or something that needs more context, I prefer to write a blog and link to the blog from our, our Sportsnet website. But mm-hmm. just generally, like, you know, honestly, Adrian, I like I, I like to be understated. I like... I like it to be meaningful. Um, I know because I work in sports TV, I talk too much. So I like for somewhere I I use words more economically and they mean more. Yeah, I think that's a great, brilliant strategy because you, when you do say something, it's like the old cliche, you know, he doesn't, it's like the hockey captain in the room, like they said about Joe Sack. Well, you know, he doesn't say a whole lot, but when he does speak up, everybody listens, you know, and I think that's something that you have, the power that you've gained over that by being economical and picking your spots. Like when I saw your tweet saying we have a tentative deal, the first thing I thought was, phew, first of all, right? But second, mm-hmm. I'm like, this is going to be a golden source. This is going to be true. You know, this isn't going to be something where I have to double check the reporter's credentials and sort of go back and do a little background on how right they are or time, you know, whatever you wonder about their sources. When I saw your tweet, it's like, damn, all right, it's going to be right. You know, so congrats on that scoop. That was a hell of a scoop. Uh, 
And uh, but it's not the it's not the biggest uh, return to play scoop that either one of us on the uh, that I have had on this call. Like you had a bigger <laughs> return to play scoop on this call than I ever did. Uh, on this call, you had the big one back in 2013. I can still remember that, Adrian. Me wow, and a really? bunch of other reporters were yep. sitting in a, a media room in a hotel in New York. Yeah, that's right. You guys were in New York. Well, and we're in, and it was what time was it? It was like it was like three or four in the morning, right? It was. Uh, I still remember. It was. Uh, it was roughly almost uh, two in the morning in Denver. So four a.m. Yeah, so four in the morning. And you yeah. were, and all of a sudden we were sitting there, and you tweeted, "Hey, the lockout's over." <laughs> and we're like, "What?" Well, <laughs> well, thank you for that. I I try not to, you know, like you. You know, you don't. There's nothing worse. Than but I just who remember brags, the timing but, of it. It was it was yeah. really for us sitting in the room. It was really funny. You know, the funny, the weird, the awful thing about that night, almost the awful thing was. Um, I didn't always do this, right? I I try to be, but I always try to be right. You know, you want to be right. You don't want to be wrong, especially on a story like that. So Mm -hmm. I had one source about 20 minutes earlier telling me the deal was done. And and it came from a player source, okay? Uh, But I knew that I needed another source, that second source, before I felt comfortable doing anything. So I reached out to my other source and waited 20 long minutes and didn't expect an answer, but all of a sudden I got that text saying, you know, yes, the deal is done. And, of course, I I stumbled and almost fumbled my keyboard and dropped the computer and all that stuff, trying to write it so fast. But, uh, but thank you. That, you know, that was, that, was the, that was the weird part. Like, I didn't think I'd get that because I'm like, ah, I'm going to be Mr. – stickler tonight and be my you know the second source when i was pretty sure the first one would be right but uh like you say you didn't want to be wrong on that story hockey fans were so frustrated by that point that if i got i thought boy if i get this wrong and they and they think hockey's coming back and it really isn't then i'm public enemy number one in the hockey world i just i didn't want that so um you know that's that that uh, that was another. But you've you've broken a lot lot bigger stories. Uh, but Elliot, uh, my you, you you've you've really carved out a niche, especially as a you know uh, as a newsbreaker. But I think you're so much more than that. You're you're great on your podcast, Thirty One Thoughts with Jeff Merrick, who's absolutely brilliant himself. Uh, it's my favorite podcast to listen to for hockey. It really is. You guys keep it moving along. You're you always have good insight. You tell a lot of inside stories, um, stuff that keeps me interested as a jaded old hockey guy. You know, I, I like to, I actually always find myself listening and learning something. But um, as a reporter, are you the type of per- reporter, you say you, you're always tuned in. You can never take a really, you know, you have to always be in, you know, not nine to five. Are you the type of reporter, let me ask you, do you bug people all the time with text calls all day long? Or are you the type of reporter who sort of picks your spots a little bit and only calls somebody when you think you know something and want to do it? Or, or are you just that guy who's just constantly, like if I asked a GM right now, do you hear from Elliot Friedman every day, no matter what, you think he'd say yes or no? <laughs> um, 
I would just say that uh, I try not to be annoying, but I know I probably am. Um, okay. You know, like, like I think there's like, and it also depends on the relationship. Like there's some guys and men and women in the sport I get along with really well. And I yeah. talk to them a lot, not only about hockey stuff, but just other stuff. And there's some people it's pure business. Right. And right. some people don't want to shoot the breeze with you. And some people, some people see you as like an enemy or a person to be kept on the outside. So right. you have to understand who you're dealing with at all times. Right. And um, that's the way I look at it. Just understand the relationship. Like, you know, I don't like, for example, I'll tell you like Joe Sackick. Uh, yep. I don't bother Joe Sackick a lot. Cause I know that it's not that he's a bad guy. It's just that, you know, like, you know, for example, like you wrote uh, a great piece about um, Pierre Lacroix when Pierre Lacroix passed away and about how he kept everybody at bay. Yeah. And J- Joe Sackick is the same way. Like, mm-hmm. I keep everybody at bay. He's not mean. He's not unfriendly. As you know, he's a very nice person. But I just know that there's going to be a limit to how much I'm going to be able to get out of Joe Sackick, and there's a limit to how much he's willing, going to be willing to hear from me. So nice. that's that's you have to understand who you're dealing with. That's so right, yeah, Joe. <laughs> I, you're right. You nailed it. I, I'm the same way. You know, I know if I get something out of Joe, I know I shouldn't usually push it. You know, sometimes yeah. I'll still push it with another text. Hey, you know, sometimes I'll actually phrase it like that too, like, Hey, Joe. I'm probably asking for too much here, but you know what? My old saying is you don't get if you don't ask. So you gotta, you gotta ask. Uh, And you know, either says no or either gives it to you or doesn't. And if he doesn't, then, uh, then you, you know, you move on and you say, all right, thanks for what you gave me as it was. So, but yeah, yeah. He learned from Pierre uh, uh, on that uh, sort of, I say unfortunately, but really, I, I would rather have a GM that I cover, and I've said this before about Pierre, I'd rather have a GM that does keep fairly quiet and doesn't blab to every single reporter that calls him, because then I've got to worry about every every single other reporter in the world, right, that calls him and he gives some other scoop to, to my competitors, right? So, yeah, I would rather have the guy that's quieter than the, than the blabbermouth, but... uh Actually, um, I gotta tell you, I like the blabbermouths, but at the end of the day, I, I just admire people who are consistent. Like, like I have to tell you, as I've been around longer, I can, I kind of know how everybody's gonna handle everything. Like, I, I like that. I know who the people yeah. are who are gonna give me nothing. Mm-hmm. I know the people are gonna give me something. I know, mm-hmm. the, like, I, I like that. I, I like the, I like predictability. That's right. one thing I like. Is that in, in an unpredictable world. But you have to adjust. I just like knowing who's predictable and, and who's what. And I know Joe, like, he'll always, if I ask to talk to him, most of the time he'll say, sure, I'll talk to you. But I know <laughs> he's going to keep me, he's going to keep me at bay. And when the time comes, he wants us to know, he'll tell us. That does it for the first segment of the Can't Hear What Jeremy Says podcast. Now a word from our sponsor, Total Beverage. Hey, you last-minute gift shoppers, you men out there especially, I know you're listening right now. You've only got two more days to go out there and get those stocking stuffers or that perfect 
little other gift that may be under the tree come Friday. Well, listen, I've got the solution for you guys. I'm going to hook you up right now. Go to Total Beverage in Thornton and Westminster, and boy, have they got some great last-minute gifts for you here. How about a Bailey's Hot Cocoa Mug? Warm up the holidays with Bailey's and Hot Cocoa, 11-ounce ceramic campfire mug, packet of Girardelli Hot Cocoa Mix, Bailey Shooter, and a candy cane bottom pop. $12.99 right now at Total Beverage. Go to TotalBev.com. You can order this. How about a Bloody Mary pint glass kit? The perfect Santa gift. Perfect secret Santa gift. Bloody Mary kit includes tomato juice, Bloody Mary spices, hot sauce, and of course, the most important part, Tito's Vodka Shooter, packaged neatly in a custom face. $8.99. Candy Cane Shooters. How about that? $9.99 at Total Beverage. How about this, guys? This is a good one. Put this under the stocking or the tree for your for your other half or your, your in-laws, something like this. The cheese and white wine gift. Or it could be red. The wine gift set comes with everything you need for a wine picnic included our bottle of Kim Crawford's Sauvignon Blanc, Boar's Head Sopressata, Monet Original Water Crackers, a block of cheese, a holiday wine stopper, and two wine glasses. Get this folks, the price is only $29.99. And here's the best part. If you put in the promo code AD10 in the checkout box of TotalBev.com right now, or you tell it to your clerk, at the checkout stand, you're gonna get $10 taken right off that $29.99. Yes, any order of $25 or more by use, throwing in the promo code AD10, and you're gonna get $10 wiped right off that price. Folks, you can't you can't beat this. Guys, I'm telling you, here's another one. Gin and tonic sampler gift set. You just wanna surprise someone, you know, that maybe that uncle, you know? Hey, who, who wants, what's nothing better than, you know, just a quick little, uh, you know, nice, nicely wrapped, uh, you know, very, very uh, stately and respectable gift set, like a, uh, an alcoholic little gift pack right here. Gin and tonic sampler gift set. Gin and tonics are a quick, easy, and simple drink to dress up whichever way you like. This gin and tonic sampler gift set includes a full-size bottle of aviation gin, two bottles of lemon fever tonic waters, and it comes in a nice Christmassy case right here, $19.99, folks. Look, guys, we can't give it away any more than this. I mean, look, get yourself down to Total Beverage this next couple of days. Get those last-minute gifts, or you can order at TotalBev.com. Pick it up right there at the store, or have it delivered to your door in one hour or less in most Metro Denver locations. Yes, delivery in one hour or less. You're on the go, you've got to buy some last minute gifts. Who doesn't like a good little booze set, right? Come on, that's gonna be a great thing to open up under the tree. You can have it right there on your, right there as your opening presents. Everybody's gonna have a good old time. Come on, do it. Total Beverage is the sponsor of this podcast, the principal sponsor. They've been with us for more than a year now. They're a great place, and I highly, highly recommend their holiday gift-giving guide, as I've just spelled out just some of the deals there. Go to TotalBev.com, get it now, use that promo code AD10, and have yourself a Merry Christmas. 
okay, so here's a little bit of an inside baseball question, but I, you know, I, something I can feel like it's fair to ask. I mean, look, I, 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 my first 20, uh, 20 years in the job here in Denver were, was in a intense newspaper rivalry where literally I sweated over every single note that maybe the other paper might've had. And if I didn't have it, um, I didn't, I was not in a good mood the rest of that whole day. Um, mm-hmm. I thought every single day it was fight for survival. And I would literally convince myself that maybe the, the little extra avalanche note about a groin pull of a player that I had that the competitor didn't have, maybe that's going to win us the newspaper war and we'll live happily ever after. That's how sick and twisted my mind got, but that's how crazy competitive I was. You're in a very competitive uh, part of the world, Elliot, when it comes to hockey news and media. Um, it's it's not the same in the U.S. anymore, and probably never was. You are you're the big fish newsbreaker at T, at, at Sportsnet and Hockey Night in Canada, and there is another uh, there is another company in Canada, a TV rival. I guess I can say their name. It's TSN. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to ask you just flat out, like. How do you describe the rivalry between you and TSN? Um, is it Avalanche Red Wings intense? Or is it, you know, or are you guys maybe a little more, you know, hey, look, we're all going to be okay either way here. Uh, we're not going out of business, either one of us. Uh, how would you describe it when I ask you that question, the, the intensity of that rivalry for you personally and overall? Well, I can tell you this. I don't know if I'd compare it to Red Wings Avalanche because I just don't know if the fights would be as good. <laughs> um, you know, I, I, yeah. I, I, I'll say this: like, um, we're competitive. We're mm-hmm. friends. Like, I'm friends with those guys. I'm friends with Darren. I'm, I'm friends with Pierre. I'm friends with Frank. I'm friends with Bob, and they're mm-hmm. friends with CJ and I. Um, but you know, we are competitive. There, there's no question about it. The rivalry is real. Uh, we want to get the stories before them, and, and they want to get the stories before us. And so I, I think that's – we are friends, but we are rivals, and we both want to do well. Um, so, like I said, I don't think I would quite say it's Avalanche Red Wings. It might have been uh, – it might have been at one point before I got here. I don't know that for sure, but mm-hmm. I do know that um, – I do know that uh, I, I I do know that they, they want to beat us and we want to beat them. Well, that's that's good, and I'm glad that is that way. And you probably wouldn't, you know, it'd be a weird answer if you said you never wanted to beat them, right? Um, but uh, yeah, I'm glad you guys are friends. I uh, you all do such a good job, and uh, you know, you know, I mean. Personally, you know, I've I've always liked all those guys too. Bob McKenzie, of course, is a you know Uncle Bob. He's legendary, uh, and I you know he he was a print guy too. So I you know I like him that much. Well, that leads me into a question too, though, Elliot. You're a really good writer, okay? And I know you've done some writing before. I think you wrote for the uh, the Windsor Star, Toronto. Um, I'm sorry, Toronto Star. I thought you yeah. might have read no, for the I, Windsor that, Star I too. I started as a writer. I started as a writer, but I couldn't make it, Adrian. I wasn't good enough. I couldn't oh, hack it. Oh, really? You, yeah. You're a really good writer, man. I, I really like I've read some of your older, longer pieces, and it's really always good and personal and well-written. For, um, I wouldn't say that. You're a very good writer, Elliot. But maybe, you know, the question is, though, uh, yeah, you started out as a writer, but you, you became a bigger TV guy. 
and yet you 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 probably have the most popular written word column on the uh, on the internet when it comes to hockey. I'm sure it does. It's got to be the biggest traffic getter in all the internet when it comes to hockey. It's the 31 thoughts column that you started what a few years ago now. Um, let me ask you about the 31 thoughts column and what was your eureka moment that got that started. Well, the thing that got it started was um, I when I, I was doing sideline reporting on Hockey Night in Canada, um, so yep. I would be like the ringside reporter, and you know I, my job would be to go to the producer before the games and say um, and say uh, this is these are my ideas, these are the kinds of things I want to talk about during the game, and um, he he said to me, and at that point in time, like. You know, you come with three or four ideas, but they might not all make the air because depending on what happened during the game, you might not get on. And so, and that's fine. Like, that's just the way it goes sometimes. Sometimes the game dictates you have time and sometimes the game doesn't. And so finally, we reached a point where my producer, his name was Doug Walton. He said to me, you know, you should write a blog or something like that because you have all this stuff that sometimes right. doesn't make it to air. And mm-hmm. so I, I started coming up with names in it. I wanted it to be different. And I came up with um, 30 thoughts because there were right. 30 teams in the league at the time. Right. And I like That's alliteration. Right. I like alliteration. So, but there are some times I got to tell you, Adrian, when I'm at like number 21 and I'm like, <laughs> why the hell did I pick 30? That's way too much. Yeah. I know. I hear you. I, I I imagine that can be the case, and yet I bet there's times too where you go like that. It goes like a breeze, you know. Um, depending yeah. on the time of the year, probably free agent time and it's trade, you know, trade uh, draft time. It's a little easier. Um, yeah. No, it's a great column though, and it just it does gangbuster business. Um, everybody reads it. Has that did that vault your TV career even more? Uh, the writing part of it in a sense, because I do think I, I you think got a higher so. profile after that. I think so, because I wasn't on like the headline segment uh, at the mm-hmm. time. And uh, I wasn't on the headline segment uh, before. And I think because of the success of that blog, they started to say you should be on the headline segment. So I do think it played into it. Mm-hmm. I, I have to tell you, I was surprised, Adrian. Like I didn't realize like, I'm not a guy, like, there's people in our business who are just obsessed with ratings. What was the rating mm-hmm. of our show last night? How many people watched our game? Or they would mm-hmm. be obsessed with their metrics, like, how many people kicked on, clicked on my column or blog? I've never been like that. I, I've seen people drive themselves crazy and go bananas. So I, I maybe it's not true, but I, I write it like a billion people are going to read it. But then I kind of found out that kind of, I, I remember I walked into a GM once at a game and uh, he was holding an iPad. No, it was a practice, a morning skate. Mm-hmm. And it was, I got into the city. I was in Montreal. It wasn't the Canadian GM though. It was a team that was playing there. And I filed the 31 thoughts the night before. And I went to the rink. Actually it was 30 thoughts at the time. Vegas wasn't in yet. And mm-hmm. I walked by the GM holding an iPad and I went and I said, Hey, and he goes, Oh, Hey, I was just reading your blog on the iPad. <laughs> And I was like, oh, my God. Like, I was thinking, quick, did I write anything about this guy this week? <laughs> oh, I I know everybody reads it. And I'm sure, you know, people have, I mean, a few times you've probably written something that people didn't like. That You'll hear about it quick, right? But it's, 
it's got Coleman I'm giving you here where you say like everybody reads it and it's and it's become fodder for even local writers around the league. I'll notice anytime you know you mention an avalanche thing, it's like, all right, I gotta write a little something. I gotta write a little note now about what Elliot said, because you know some he wrote about the abs here. So um, <laughs> you've created a, a sort of secondary food chain for a lot of writers in the league looking for their own notes. Uh, we just well, we're here to help, right? We're here <laughs> yeah, to help. I know it. Before you know, we don't have these anymore. But there used to be notes, notes networks be, among all the writers uh, in yeah. the league, and I don't know why those went away. Probably because there's just not as many reporters and newspapers actively covering this game anymore. But Probably uh, the which internet. is sad to say. Yeah, it is the internet too, of course. But uh, even in the early days of the internet, even in the 2000s, I believe, it was, you know, notes were. You know, I, I remember I had to write this. Okay, it's Thursday night. I got to send my notes in. You know, and everybody would use that for their Sunday Sunday notes. Um, I don't think papers have Sunday notes pages as much anymore. Maybe if only a two or three in the U.S. anymore that really devote big space to it. I know the Boston Globe still does with Kevin Dupont. I know Larry Brooks yeah. still does a full page every Sunday, which is always still fun to read. Um, you know, not many other than that. I don't think, you know, I don't think, uh, you know, papers just don't have the, the – resources anymore which is a whole other podcast but uh um elliot the uh you know i wanted to ask you about you know um you know it seemed like i also read that you did some local play-by-play when you started out you did some i believe raptors and blue jays is that correct uh play-by-play i did a i did a couple of blue jays games okay. I did some raptors games color and yeah TV. okay uh, a, a color and play-by-play um, okay. You know there were there have been some things here and there. Yeah. I was going to ask do you. Do you have a you know a desire maybe to sort of like a lot of sometimes TV guys do want to they've been the national guy they've been the on the big stage maybe they like to go back to the sort of the local quieter play by play regional guy you know would you have any desire to do that and just travel with the teams and be you know a local a play by play guy maybe. Is that still a you know, I have a I have a nine year old now, Adrian. Yeah. It would be harder for me to do that. Okay. Um, that that would be tough. Yeah. Um, but you know, there are times like um, I like the challenge of this, but I am a person like you know, I started my career in in print. I couldn't at that time. There was the economy was bad. Nobody was hiring. I couldn't get a full time job. Uh, I went into radio. I was in radio for three years. Then I got my first TV job six years. And then, you know, Hockey Night in Canada, it's been uh, 11 years of one network and I'm coming up at the seventh year of the next network. And the one thing I do believe is that, you know, I, I think the changes in jobs and slight changes in roles have been beneficial to me. Um, yeah. You know, if I last through the rest of this deal, it's got six more years in it. You know, I, I will kind of be wondering if uh, at some point in time, like, will I want a different challenge or a change mm-hmm. or something like that? Mm-hmm. I, I, mm-hmm. I do think about that here and there. It's good to have, it's good to do new things. It's good to try new things. Um, yeah. I, I'm a, I'm a real big believer in that Adrian. Like, 
Um, yeah, for we sure. all need to I be know challenged are. once in a while. I know you are. We all need to be challenged. You're a very cerebral guy in the sense that you don't you don't seem uh, at all you know um, concerned about status. I've never seen you you know uh, ever talking about you know you know you just never had that TV ego guy you know kind of guy. Like we've we've all seen some types of that person in the business and in print too. Plenty of pompous, arrogant newspaper columnists believe me I've, I've worked with a few um but you know you know what I, you've always seemed to be like maybe you had a little bit maybe that's why i've always sort of you know bonded with you a little more than some others maybe that i you know i don't see every day of course but you know every time i see you, it's like you know we feel like somebody i can relate to a little bit you know i've been open with my you know struggles at times in this business where i've i've been you know laying on the hotel bed at times looking at the ceiling going my god you know the 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 is this all there is kind of moments you know i've i've thought to myself before gosh you know i've always wanted to be a sports writer i always that was all i wanted to be was a sports writer and now that i have it i started to realize my life is watching a bunch of you know toothless men pushing a piece of rubber around and that's 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 it okay well wait a minute now maybe i need to reassess here and think about deeper things you know what's brought me out of that though elliot maybe this i don't know if this happened to you the people i used to whine to about that and and really go through almost a real midlife crisis over it they would say dater shut the hell up you know we i get my enjoyment doing stuff about what you do I mean, I get released from my job reading about the avalanche and, and things like that. So shut the hell up and enjoy what you do and be grateful for it. And I, you know, once some people said that to me, I was like, oh, yeah, okay, you know, that, you're, you're right, that makes more sense. Um, you, know what but, I really you, know, think, you know what I really think, Adrian? I'll, I'll say mm. this, I think about this a lot. Mm-hmm. As I've become a parent, yep. and I understand the challenges of being a parent. Um, like we all go through different phases in our lives, right? We, we have yep. phases in our lives that are, that are fun and we have phases in our lives that are really challenging. And as I got, as I'm older and I'm 50 now and I, I, you know, I think about being the challenges of a parent. I became a parent when I was 41. Um, yep. you know, like I, yep. I understand, you know, especially now sports has to deal with the world, the changes in the world in North America. We can't avoid that. We have to discuss it. It, it sports is part of the change, sure. but we're also an escape for people. There's yep. a lot of people right now who, um, okay, even before the pandemic began, they'd come home after a long day and they sit down with their dinner and whether they like to have a beer or whatever they like to do put their feet up and they want to be entertained watching a game. They're like, yep. this is my escape from yep. life. And I, I think about that a lot. I, I think yep. about, I, I want you to tune in and, sp- and if you're going to spend a couple hours with me and my coworkers, you're going to have a good laugh or you're going to be entertained or you're going to be informed. <laughs> and yeah. one of the reasons I kept the podcast going with Jeff uh, even when there was no hockey, it was because we had people writing to us and saying, boy, like, life sucks right now, and that podcast made me laugh, or I oh. love that podcast. 
Oh, I'm one I of think them. that's so big. Like Adrian, like absolutely. If we can in a hard time for people, if we can make them laugh or forget about their challenges for a while, uh, I'm I'm glad to to play that part. Uh, that's that's great, and I'm one of them, man. I I I know that that podcast really did help me get through some long summer nights at times when there was nothing going on, and it just. It's a pleasure to know when you is a new one coming on that boy, you know, I can really enjoy myself for the next hour just listening in bed and you know, just turning off the lights. I usually listen to podcasts, you know, sort of in the dark with my Bluetooth speaker, you know, booming or booming around the room a little bit. My, my wife doesn't love that, but uh, uh, sometimes I go in the guest room and do <laughs> but uh you know, so yeah, it's a great job, and I love the fact that you guys bounce so well off each other. I mean, Merrick is just brilliant. First of all, I've never met a, I've never, I mean, the guy's the guy is like Rain Man, isn't he? His his recall is amazing, um, and he's such a professional broadcaster, you know. Too, you guys are just great. I love the fact that you guys play some really good music at the end of the podcast too. Like I've looked well, up some of your our, songs. That's our producer. That's our producer, uh, Amo, who comes up with oh, that Oh, okay. Wow. Yeah, really he's good. Some, he's, he, he's, he's got, got great ones. taste. Now, yeah, when's the I... podcast dropping? Uh, this one will drop sometime tomorrow morning. Okay. Okay, because yeah. we've got – so uh, let me just say that we've got a uh, we've got a podcast coming on Christmas Eve. I think it's different. Okay. It's long, really long, but okay. it's different. It's something new that we're trying. So okay. I hope you enjoy it. Okay, New Year's Eve or Christmas Eve, uh, thirty-one thoughts of the podcast D- done. That's on. That's, I set my. Uh, I'm gonna set my timer right now for when that comes out. Awesome, uh, everybody listening here, t- be sure to tune in on uh, thirty-one thoughts of the pod. Uh, geez, Elliot, I've kept you for forty-eight minutes here. Uh, wrap it up here. Uh, could talk a long longer, but I know uh, we're all pinched for time. Like forty-one, huh? I, I became a parent at thirty-nine. I thought I was a late bloomer too. Uh, but yeah, it's, uh, it's, uh, he, he, it's amazing. And it does, uh, it changes everything. Um, and you're right. Family considerations have to come in. I bet if you were a younger man though, yeah, you would have said yes to almost anything, right? I mean, we all did back in those days. She never said oh, yeah. no to anything. That's something I've heard you say too on the pod. And, and I, maybe I'll add one of my last questions or just things to bring up with you. One of the lessons Elliot too, right? Is if you're starting out in this business and you want to make it in this business, no matter writing, broadcasting, whatever in the sports media business, you never say no to anything at all offered to you for money when it comes to anything that, that could possibly advance your career. This is a point of pride for me. That. I've never it, turned it down. Was, a f- it no. wasn't about money. It, it, it was just about an opportunity. No, not money, not when money. No, no, I, out, no. I didn't mean that. No, I meant, yeah. I meant that too. Like you don't, you say, yeah. you never say no to an opportunity ever, um, money or not. Yeah, there's things mm. I said yes to that didn't pay me either. But um, you know, without being taken advantage of, of course, um, you say yes. You, you, uh, and I, Elliot. I don't know if you see this, but I see too many kids still that don't say yes to everything. And I go, really? You're you're gonna say yes? You're gonna say no? Couple people that I've offered things to on my site as a writer to just do some guest writing or something, they've said no. And I'm like, oh, really? Okay. Well, well, I'll follow your thing, career the, with interest. The one thing I think I'm seeing a lot of now, and I'm not, I'm never gonna be that guy. 
I, I'm never going to be that guy who's like, kids today, they're so soft. Walk, yeah, I know, I know. I, That's what I sounded like. I walked like, up but... the hill both ways to school when I was a kid. <laughs> Uh, which um, I did. Um, I I believe this. I think the next generation, um, and I don't think they're fully wrong about this. Like, I'm a grinder, Adrian, and mm-hmm. I always said I'm going to do everything I can, and I'm never going to look back at 50, which I am now, and say I didn't give it my all, or I, I, mm-hmm. I could have done more. Like, you can always do more, I guess, but mm-hmm. I know I gave it everything I had to get here, and it's a major reason I'm fortunate enough to be here. But I think yeah. the next generation, quality of life is, 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 is going to be more important to them. And, mm-hmm. Adrian, our generation and the older generations, they, especially our generation, though, I, I, I think we uh, sacrificed, a, like, the work they got longer in our yeah. generation. It got really long in our generation. We're more, we're working more than ever, um, than than anyone ever has. And and I I think that this young generation now, their challenge is social media because social media is going to take a chunk out of these people's uh, confidence levels and like you can really get ripped apart and it's really hard. It's doing it's doing real damage to their mental health, which concerns me a lot. But they want to work less. They want to try and enjoy life more. So, like, I, I, I would say this. If you want to do what we do and you want to be at the top of your field, you can't say no. But I think we're going to see more and more people in this generation say, you know what? I want to enjoy my life a little bit more, and I am going to say no. And hmm. all I tell people is, Pick the path that is right for you. If you want to be at the top of anything, you have to be almost single-minded of focus and determined all the time. If you want to be good at something, but it's also, I I want to sit back, breathe, enjoy, Mm -hmm. then by all means do that. Nobody, Nobody can tell you what's right for you. Only you can decide what's right for you. And I don't like telling other people they're wrong in their path. You can certainly enjoy it and relax it by all means. Just recognize that there will be people who speed past you because they're more single-minded of purpose. Hmm. That's, you know, that's well said. And, uh, it's going to make me think a little bit here. Yeah. That's, that's a good point. Um, that's, that's probably something that I never was able to really, tell myself could be true as a younger man or because I was told that you have to just do whatever it takes. And that that's mindset I had as a young guy. I, I, I was a guy, first of all, I was neurotic. I mean, I was worried about what I was going to do at like age eight, you know, like really like, what am I going to do for a living? You know, <laughs> that's, that's a, that was another that's probably why I ended up in a midlife crisis, right? And, and unable to enjoy anything for a long time. Uh, thankfully, those days are over and I'm enjoying life again. But, um, yeah, no, I think you're right. That's probably – that's that that sounds great on paper. I hope, though, that young people don't expect to be like – and I'm going to sound like an old man here. I hope they don't expect to be handed things so easily, though, like it's they're entitled to it. Um yeah, sometimes I do think that that's a little more of a modern kid thing, but if that's if that's what 
it, why shouldn't they want to be, you know, given the best of everything, right? I mean, but yeah, I guess I'm, I'm speaking out of both sides of my mouth. You, you still got to grind, you got to work hard, but yeah, maybe we paid a price that maybe those kids won't have to pay. I don't know. Hopefully, hopefully they're better off than I was. <laughs> Sometimes we were. As a, um, it's been a pleasure, Elliot. Uh, Elliot Friedman, my guest on this podcast. Uh, boy, that hour went pretty quick, man. Uh, I uh, I want to thank you for coming on. I also want to thank you for your friendship over the years. Uh, you know, uh, you know, it hasn't been just business all the time. We've talked. You've uh, you've been there as a person. I've you know gotten some good advice from and before. We all know what that was and some of the stuff I've been through and I uh, just want to thank you publicly for all that. And, uh, you're a good man, Elliot. And, uh, you're, uh, you're on top of the world right now. Uh, in so many ways, I hope it stays that way for, for, for a good long, long time. And, uh, um, anytime you want to have me on your podcast, you just have to let me know. <laughs> I, 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 I want to come on sometime. I seriously want to come on. I want to be a guest. I, uh, I love your podcast. I think it's like the best ever. And, uh, um, so yeah, anytime you need that avalanche scoop or more Joe Sackick insights, uh, you just let me, <laughs> I probably won't have much for you. In other words, <laughs> uh, no Elliot, worries, I'm happy thanks so it. much. Thanks so much for coming on. Uh, uh, Elliot, uh, we can always see you. Uh, you're going to be busy real soon. As always, you've been busy throughout the, you know, the, the, all the hockey developments, but we're back. How excited are you to just be back in the studio soon covering uh, 56 games? And uh, oh my let God. me, bef- so, before we I'm go, so how do you think the season's going to go? <laughs> oh my God. Wasn't it? This, it was an unbelievable long stretch, but uh, I hope a good, good family time came out of it. But yeah, we're back. Covering, yeah, you're sure. you're going to be back in the studio. I assume most every night doing the, doing yeah. the panel and uh, to breaking down hockey and, and uh, yeah. great stuff. Uh, Wish we could see it more here in the States, of course, but, uh, you know, uh, any, uh, anytime you're north of the border, uh, check out Elliot on Sportsnet and everything else he does on Hockey Night in Canada. Elliot, thanks so much, man. I appreciate it, and uh, all the best, and we'll, we'll see you at a rink soon, I hope, maybe in 2024. <laughs> all right, buddy. Thanks for having me. Listen to your heart.